your Van Seas Weekly, the home for info and insight on the Vancouver Canadians and all Toronto Blue Jays minor league prospects. Hosted by Greg Ballack and Charlie Kasky. Can't believe it already at episode three of your Van Seas Weekly. I'm Greg Ballack here with Charlie Kasky over the phone today. We're going to do a bit of a Wednesday extravaganza episode of the your Van Seas Weekly. Um, we couldn't really get together this this weekend to do it, unfortunately. So sorry about the delay. Um, but Charlie, um, you're in. You're actually in Portland to see the the Canadians play. So you can give us a, a full rundown because we haven't had any discussion since the season's or at least the home opener. Uh, our last podcast was during their first game when they were on the road. Um, but you've had uh, plenty of chances to see the the Canadians in action now. Well, yeah, I, mean, I wish I could say plenty. I, I saw the home opener. I was there just for the beginning, actually, and then I mm-hmm. took took a few pictures, and then I had to shoot to go play hockey. It's a complicated formula, but uh, <laughs> playing playing sports generally wins out over watching sports. Um, and then uh, the Thursday, I saw the first inning of, of what turned out to be a, a rainout. Um, mm-hmm. It was in the second that the Ums called it off. Um, so Hira Laborte... Um, looked fantastic the first inning, and then mm-hmm. completely couldn't couldn't find the zone, couldn't find anywhere. It was like uh, Wild Thing or whatever in that major leagues movie <laughs> um, in the second inning, and then it got shut down. So I, then I saw the doubleheader on on Friday, mm-hmm. um, and then as, as you mentioned, I was down in Portland for a bit of mainly beer drinking, but I managed <laughs> to drag my wife out to uh, Hillsborough, which is a suburb mm-hmm. of Portland, kind of like. I'd like to say I'd like to equate it to Softball City out in Surrey because it's it's <laughs> similar idea. It's in the suburbs. It's a massive complex with like four or five softball fields that mm-hmm. all had games going on, and then kind of the baseball stadium there was the uh, was the centerpiece. So it was good, beautiful day, great beer, obviously, and uh, the Seas pulled it out with a five run eight. Yeah, it was. It looked like it was a good game. Uh, they ended up pulling it out five to three on the Sunday. Uh, so what's their record now? What are they sitting? I think they're. Seven and seven and six seven and with six. three and a half. I think Spokane lost tonight as well, so they're three and a half back. Spokane's obviously got off to uh, mm. they, they started the season. What they won four of the first. They had a five game series away somewhere. Um, Salem fifth Kaiser. Rained out. Salem Kaiser. That's yeah. right. Fifth was rained out and then won the first two against the Seas. Started the season six and zero. Oh, they're now ten and two. So yeah, yeah. At seven <laughs> and six. The uh, the seas are three and a half back, so not out of it mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But there's, they've left a few uh, a few W's off mm-hmm. on the table. I think it's been a streaky season. It was one three, then they lost four in a row, and then they won three in a row, and then they lost one against Hillsborough the day after you saw them, and then won three nothing on the Tuesday, and then lost uh, today seven to six. And what was a, a bit of an interesting game from what we hear? Uh, we didn't have a chance to see it. Obviously, it was in Hillsborough. Um, but uh, it was uh, perhaps an ump show, I guess you could say. It was, uh, the Canadians mounted a huge comeback to even make it seven to six. Yeah, I didn't actually get a chance to um, tweet or, or talk to anybody that was there to, to see what it, what happened. But mm-hmm. I guess the Seas had runners on second and third in the eighth, maybe, and, and JD Davis um, laid a bunt down and was called out for for catcher interference and. Um, mm-hmm. You know whether it was the right call or not. Obviously, it's tough to tell. I was I was listening to the game uh, to the Hillsborough Hops feed online, but I only got to the six inning when the Seas scored three to make it six three, and then I had to shoot. So I didn't hear what uh, their interpretation of of it. Nor I mean I don't know what happened to 
uh, Rob Faith called, but they mm-hmm. weren't on air for some reason. So, got no idea what happened. It'll be interesting to uh, to have a chat about it when they're back. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, do you really get hung up on the wins and losses with the Canadians, or is it really more about the prospects to you? Because I, you know, I, as much as you want to get into it, and they are, you know, an affiliate of the Blue Jays, and you want to be excited and all, but at the end of the day, is, I really find myself looking at the prospects and their numbers a little more than the, the win and loss column with the Canadians, at least. Well, for the other six affiliates, that's exactly right. I look at the box score and I look, I just go straight towards the players I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Dan Norris is pitched for New Hampshire or Aaron Sanchez pitched tonight for Buffalo, I'll focus on those guys. And, and I don't, I don't give a rat's ass <laughs> if the team won or lost. Um, sees, uh, I'm a bit more sort of, you know, um, affiliate is not the right word, but I'm mm-hmm. sort of a bit more invested in them winning because. A, if if they make the playoffs, there's a better chance that we see guys like Rowdy Tellez right. um, and, and the like come up from Bluefield, um, just like we saw Mitch Ney and Chase DeYoung and, and all those guys come mm-hmm. up last year. And B, you know, I'm I'm still a baseball fan. I'm still a fan of the Seas, so I, I prefer to see them win. But yeah, early this season, I mean, I think after that initial three-game win streak, uh, the next two losses were both well-pitched games by the starters at mm-hmm. the bullpen kind of blue and yeah i don't care about it in my mind's eye if you're a bullpen piece in the northwest league you're a non-prospect so yeah it's you know it'd, it'd be nice to see the seas solidify their bullpen a bit they've they've had a bit of a tough go of it so far mm-hmm. but that, that'll come over time it'll they'll, they'll be reshuffling you know so I'm, I'm not worried about these early season losses mm. um you know last year People forget they won. They won three in a row, but people forget they only just squeaked in last year. It was yeah. a bit of luck, actually. They they had to rely on some other results going their way, and uh, luckily enough, it did. And then obviously they got some reinforcements and and got hot. So, yeah, and it's a crapshoot come playoff time, right? In most yeah, leagues, it's like that. Yeah, I mean that's what makes these three straight quite amazing, really. That yeah. you know, just the turnover. I mean, it's never going to be. Of course, there's returning players, but you're never looking at the same team. So. Mm-hmm for the Blue Jays to consistently put a winner, you know, winning franchise here, which I think they do think it is their flagship minor league franchise. And, and they always like you and mentioned on our first podcast, you know, Ryan McBroom, who's been actually a bit hot over the last couple of games is sort of the LB downfire this year and, and probably was just drafted to specifically to go to Vancouver and, and, and help them try and win another, another Northwest league title. Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit. Get to the, the meat of this team now. Uh, you know, we've we've had a decent sample size, not a huge sample size, but you know, not a lot of surprises, I guess you could say. Uh, Barreto, Franklin Barreto, leads the team in hits. Uh, you know, t- he's got five doubles already on the season, tied for the league lead. Uh, seven runs batted in, so a, pr- a pretty good start and almost four hundred on base percentage. So yeah, Barreto has uh, been pretty much what you've expected so far. Or, you know, he's got five stolen bases as well. He's showing off some of that speed. Yeah, actually, stole, he stole the base on uh, on the Sunday game when I was down there, and he's flat out fast. Yeah, I can see him stealing a lot more bases throughout the course of the season. I mean, I think it's been overshadowed a bit by uh, is it Raymond or Roman Fields, the uh, the center fielder that they picked up. I think it's Roman. Roman yeah. as a non drafted free agent has, has stolen. I think it's ten now to date, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you know, I think it's overshadowed. Bredo's contribution on the base pass a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Bredo's been as advertised. He, you know, I was tweeting it out on the Friday. He flew out a couple times to center field, like pretty deep center field in that. And I mean, the ball just jumps off his bat, and and he makes loud contact even when he's when he's making outs. 
Um, he's had a bit of a, a rough patch the last few games. I think he's old for his last 12 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he, um, he's talking about today, according to the radio guys, the third baseman made, made a half of play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you have to remember, he's he's the youngest player in the Northwest League, and, and he's doing all this already. So yeah. if he can kind of maintain it, he, he does have six errors, so a lot of people will look at the box scores and look at the stats and say, well, there you go. Of course, he needs to move off shortstop, just like everybody said. But yeah. Well, that was the other thing that stood out to me. The six errors, you know, no one else in the team even has more than two. And I know shortstop is a tough position. Is Is he been kind of the victim of some tough plays, or what have you seen? Well, I mean, the one I saw on uh, the Friday was an absolutely brutal scoring decision. There's okay. no way that should have been there. It was a hit all the way. And I'm a, I think I, I rate myself as a pretty tough scorer. Mm. Um, but there was no way it was in there. Um, and considering it was at the net, I was very surprised. Um, I'm <laughs> Big Poppy would be Rick. very angry about that. He's, he's, uh, did you hear him complain the other day? Who? Big Poppy was complaining the other day. Oh, no, I, I saw something on Twitter, but yeah. I don't know exactly what it was about. Oh, you, when you're at home, you're supposed to get every single call, according to Big Poppy. So uh, you would not man. have been impressed with that scoring decision. <laughs> well, the, who the, play, the Jays played the other day, and Buck Martinez couldn't believe um, Manny Machado was given a hit. So you, you, usually there is a bit of a home a home field advantage, mm-hmm. but none of the seas through and through, Canadian kids, you know, they're going to play straight down the line. <laughs> like a dad being extra tough on his kid when he, when he coaches him. Um, but yeah, the one today, you know, listening to the Hillsborough right here, guys, it sounds like it was a pickoff play that, that Miguel Castro threw right at him. Okay. He just missed it. So, you know, he's made some really, really tough plays, some some, some really nice defensive plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like, and from what I've seen, he gets his feet kind of a bit of in a muddle, you know, almost on, on the easier plays. Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch him. You know, it's going to be interesting. But he's got a cannon for an arm, and he's got a lot, a lot better range than than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be some spectacular plays, and then there's going to be a few mishaps. We'll call them. <laughs> it is the minor leagues. You're going to see ups and downs all over the board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, these are, and as I said, he's he's a young kid playing against. You know, going back to Ryan McBroom, he just yep. he just graduated as a senior from the University of West Virginia. So. He's 22, so you know a lot of these pitchers are going to be 21, 22, and 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 Brett is only uh, he just turned 18, didn't he? Or did he just turn 19? Mike yeah. completely. Either way, it's still he, early. He, he's 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 still young. It's still yeah. early. And the same with, thing with with Castro today. I mean, I I charted him on Friday and, and wrote a praise basically that was a love letter to him <laughs> about how good he was, and and then today he was fantastic through three innings and. Yeah. Just the wheels completely fell off in the fourth with, what, was it three or four walks, a, a wild pitch, that error on the pickoff, and then a, a flare, um, a flare base hit by 2012 Blue Jay draftee, actually, Grant Heyman, mm-hmm. who they didn't get signed that, that year. That, that would have been an, an easy out if the, if the infield didn't play at normal depth and not, not been brought in. So, you know, it, it, he's, Castro's just a kid as well, and yeah. we've, we've just discussed this. He's 6'5", like 180. He's an absolute beanpole, so his mechanics are, are going to get out of whack every now and then, and, and he's not going to be able to find the strike zone. And, you know, even even though he was dominating through the first three innings, it did sound like he was throwing his, his off-speed stuff a bit more, which, you know, compared to the Friday start when he was just throwing his fastball because mm-hmm. he, was, he, was, he was able to spot it wherever he wanted it. Um, today he probably 
he didn't have that same fastball command, so he was getting by a bit with the slider and the change, and yeah. then everything kind of fell apart. Yeah, it was that one inning, I think, that did it, the sixth run. Sixth yeah, run well, inning yeah. that just kind of blew everything out of the water. He was fine up to that point. Um, yeah. He must have thrown a lot of pitches because he had four walks and six strikeouts through only three and a third. So that was an interesting outing for Castro today. Um, and he, he's, you know, it's only been a couple games, but he, we've, you know, three starts for him now. And we've kind of seen seen everything from him, you know, the good and the bad, I guess you could say. Well, yeah. I mean, as I said, you know, that when I saw him on Friday, he was, he was unbelievable. I, I mean, I threw it out there that it was the best pitching performance I'd seen him in that, and that includes Tom Robson's six, six and a third shutout innings in the final last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference was for me is that Castro, I think he missed, he literally missed three or four spots, whereas mm-hmm. Robson missed his spots plenty. He was just, his stuff was too good mm-hmm. for, for Boise to catch up to, whereas Castro's stuff is that good, and he was he was spotting his fastball wherever he wanted, you know, wanted to go. He missed, missed a few more with the slider. He, mm-hmm. It got a bit slurvy on him, but still for him to be throwing 95, 96, and, and right where the catcher was calling it, was was really really impressive. So I think we'll see performances like that, and then we'll see performances like we saw today. Yep. You know, it's going to be a bit of an up and down season. Well, the the other starters, I guess, he could go through on on the list, and you know, Torado, he's had a couple starts, and you know, he still has more walks than strikeouts, so he's got that electric arm, but and he's still his ERA is still pretty low. They haven't really made him pay, but you know, he's another guy you'd, you'd like to see more from. And the one guy who's actually impressed through two starts is is your buddy Wazi over there, Zach uh, Wazaluski. Um, through two starts, a zero zero point seven seven ERA, ten strikeouts, and only eleven and two thirds of innings. So that's a pretty good start to his season. Yeah, he's it sounds like he's thrown it unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if the rotation goes like it should, he'll be throwing tomorrow night back at home, which yep. is gutting because I'm going to miss it. It's Tri City tomorrow. Yeah, so I'd, I'd really like to see him pitch, but it'll be a long season. I'll get plenty of time. So he's thrown all right. Starling Surreal, he, he threw on the Sunday when I was there. Um, he was okay. You know, he, he throws sort of high 90s. Sorry, not high 90s. That would be really Whoa. okay. Um, <laughs> high 80s with his fastball. I was sort of moving all around the park, checking out, you know, the different aspects to uh, Ron Tonkin Field or whatever it's called down mm-hmm. there. Plus, plus my wife doesn't like to sit still um, and watch <laughs> baseball. So, you know, I couldn't really see how, what he had on his breaking ball. Yeah. Um, it looked okay um, the couple of times I did see it. But he, he's quite a small, surreal. He's only about six mm-hmm. foot. And, you know, if he's thrown upper 80s, he, he might start to struggle a bit. Yeah, um, yeah Toronto, so Toronto missed his start um, a couple of days ago. And I sort of got, I, I started, I, was digging a bit, and I was told that he's got a bit of a dead arm at oh. the moment, which is um, it could be bad news. I mean, I've I've heard diagnoses of dead arm that get changed to forearm tightness, that yep. get and then get changed to elbow, and then all of a sudden they're having Tommy John. A little freak but, people out here. <laughs> yeah, but you know that. But I I don't want to to make light of it, you know, because I have heard of that, but mm-hmm. the my source sort of told me that he reckons it was more of a, a mental break that they're giving him right now because he, he's obviously had a bit of a tough go over the season, both in Lansing start, and he hasn't been that good. Like you said, you know, his peripherals so far with the season have not been great. Yeah. Um, his The home opener that I missed, I spoke to uh, C's pitching coach Jeff Ware the, the, on the Friday about it, 
and he was quite blunt. He said he was just wasn't very good. Um, couldn't spot his fastball at all. Um, the only reason he got through four, four and a third, or whatever he got through, was because he was he was able to work a slider um, and throw it for a strike. Mm-hmm. So if that hadn't been there, then he would have been out after the first inning, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, he hasn't been great. Um, Laborte, um, that first inning on the Thursday was unbelievable. He was hitting ninety seven, ninety eight mm-hmm. um, on a gun, which. I had no idea he he could hit that um, yep. and struck out two of the first two of the three hitters I believe in that first inning was mm. was absolutely lights out electric and then yep. the rain came and you know whether he couldn't grip the ball or what I don't know but it was all over the place. So, so. eleven strikeouts in ten innings to start the season that's uh, more than was expected. Yeah, he's never really been a big strikeout guy. Um, yeah. You know, obviously he came up last year and pitched game one of the final series and, and had nine Ks. Over five innings. Um, Not going to get that every night, though. <laughs> no, yeah, he's never been a huge strikeout guy. But you know, like I said, with the stuff he was exhibiting, you know, in that first inning, he could easily be a high strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you know, it's it's funny. I, we'll get into this a bit later because with the interview I did with with baseball for sections since Jason Parker, Jason Park, sorry, sorry. Parker. Um, you, you just don't want to, you know, with these left-handed power pitchers um, and right-handed guys as well, but the left-handed guys that maybe didn't pitch a lot and, and they're working on their mechanics, they're working out, ironing out their delivery. You you can't really give up on them. Like a lot of people gave up on Dan Norris. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd love to say I told you so because <laughs> I, I didn't, even though he was brutal his first season and a half and everybody sort of wrote him off and uh, that was two million bucks wasted. And look at him now. He's, yeah. He just dominated in his last start in Double A, and he's a 21 year old in Double A. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a little bit, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll get talk to that more. in a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk more. See, so um, actually, let's. Um, while we just discussed those three pitchers, we'll um, we'll go to the the one question we got, and that's a, a pretty poor effort from from listeners. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I guess if you want to get to the the listener questions now, we did. well, okay, we we don't. What would you what do you want to discuss first? Well, no, we I saw it would be, it'd be good to mention that we do have a couple of interviews coming up later in the show. We forgot to mention it off the yeah. top. Uh, pretty big ones. Jason Parks, lead writer for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, you sat down or over the phone with him. Uh, and then Shane Dawson, who's a pitcher with the Lansing Lugnuts. So we have a couple of interviews to, to do later uh, in the show, which is fastly approaching because we don't want to keep it too long, trying to keep them a little shorter. You know, there's a lot of info to get out. It's been a while since we did our last show, so we'll try to keep it short here. <laughs> Um, Short-ish. Yeah. yeah. We have a lot of stuff to, uh, to cover. Yeah, it's been an interesting start to the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, we will, we'll get to that email question now. Uh, if, if you do want to submit a question, um, we, we threw it on Twitter earlier. Um, you can either tweet me or Charlie. Uh, I'm Gre- at Greg Ballack, ST. He's at Charlie Kasky. Uh, or you can email us. Uh, there's an email account set up, yourvancs at gmail.com. Uh, yourvancs at gmail.com. And we did get one email sent to that. Uh, it was from Carter in Winnipeg. Uh, he just had uh, some general concerns or questions. I guess he's never seen the um, the pit- pitchers in the Vancouver Canadiens um, starting rotation that um, are ranked pretty highly uh, in Labort, Toronto, and Castro. Um, he said, it must be nice to see all those three pitch in Vancouver. Um, then he asked, which one of these three pitchers is your favorite prospect? Um, Toronto had a lot of hype before his 8.8 walks per nine and demotion from Lansing. He's still only 19. Um, but does he still have the best chance of the of the three of being a legit number one or two starter down the road? So a little, 
there's more to the question, but we'll answer these two first. Um, which of the three is your favorite, Charlie? And does Toronto still have, you know, the expectations still high with him to be a number one or two starter down the road? Uh, for Toronto, no. I, 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 for me, no. Um, you you look at how how tall he is. Um, he's only he's only six feet. I mean. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm quickly typing into baseball reference right now. <laughs> As I sit over my deck doing this phone one, drinking two drinks. Oh, it must be nice. I'm sitting here yeah. in the studio. <laughs> well, yeah. The fact I didn't have to drive in um, made it easier to double fist. Um, Toronto is six foot one eighty um, listed. I mentioned this in an article the other day. I was sitting in front of him while I was charting Castro. He was he was charting as well. And if he's 180 pounds, I'm 250. And I am definitely not 250. <laughs> he's, I'm guessing he's six foot, maybe 165. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, given his size, given, I mean, and, and, you know, we've been over this argument numerous times about Marcus Stroman being, you know, what people thought was too small. But, you know, for the Blue Jays to have two undersized right-handed power pitchers make it as starting pitchers in, in a few years, I think it's a long shot. I but think. it even seems like Stroman's, Put on a little bit of weight in the last few years. Yeah, but Stroman was was a polished pitcher coming out of Duke. You know, mm-hmm. whereas Toronto, you know, we, we look at his numbers here and his walks per nine. We mentioned was eight point eight, Lansing eight. You know, even in Bluefield last year when he had a really good year and got prospects prospector sort of salivating a bit over, he was still you know three point seven. So so better. And then since he's been back in Vancouver, he's walked six and mm-hmm. is in his seven and two thirds. So. You know, a smaller pitcher that can't command a, his fastball, which you know I, I haven't seen him yet, um, is, is meant to be a plus pitch. Um, kind of projects as, as maybe a bullpen arm down the road. Okay. But, and which of the three are your favorite? That was the other question. I think. Well, for me, obviously it's it's Castro because I've seen him. He's the only one I've seen pitch um, mm-hmm. aside from that Laborde inning and inning. Um, um, Two reasons, because I've seen him pitch and he pitched very well. Um, and then even today, like I said, the, the Hillsborough radio guys were effusive in their praise through the first three innings. Um, and he's the only one that hasn't been demoted here. So he's, he's sort of got a bit of that kind of apple on the eye prospect shine, <laughs> whereas Laborte and Toronto have both been kind of chopped off at the yeah. knees a bit. But, uh, you know, from from all the reports I got of extended when Laborte was sent back there from Lansing, he looked really, really good. And then, like I said in that first inning, yeah, he looked he looked excellent as well. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very curious to see him, and he's he's a big dude, and you know, there's no no question about him. You know, being able to he, you know, who knows mechanics. I'm I'm not a biomechanics expert. We've said that before. I'm mm-hmm. not a medical doctor. Um, Clearly not. Yep. <laughs> But he, he's a big he's a big kid, so you, you would think he would he would have the opportunity to be a bit more durable and mm-hmm. and, and be able to get some ratings. So we'll see. But for me, right now, it's Castro. Yeah. Well, Carter did mention in his email. You know, he loves the fact that he's a big lefty, but it looks like he does have some command issues. So it'd be interesting if he can figure that out. You know, in this in the first couple of years here, and and see what he can do because you look at the size and it's uh, he's gonna be a fun one to watch in the next few years. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, you know, and they're and they're all they're all. Well, I'm trying to uh, trying to see here quickly. Like Toronto is is 19, so he's young for this league. Um, Baseball Reference has this great little tool where it, it gives you kind of where they rank as according to the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. 
so he's 2.8 years younger than the average. Um, Castro's obviously just a kid. Um, he's going to be even younger. And then, and then Laborde's only 20. So they're all young for this, for this level. Um, and like we'll get into a bit, a bit more when we get to the, the, the Park City View. Mm-hmm. You, you can't give up on them when they're only 19. And in the email, Carter also had, I don't know if you read, but he had a question about somebody from the Winnipeg Gold Eyes um, that he had a chance to see. The Jays signed him apparently as a 26-year-old non-prospect, um, but he couldn't find his name on any of the, the Jays affiliate rosters. Uh, and he was wondering if we knew what happened to him. So uh, did you look him up and, and see what happened to him? I, you know what? I can't find what happened to him. I did look him up. I, Ryan I Skoma, I think his name is. Ryan Skoma. Um, I found an, an, a nice interview over at jaysprospects.com. Um, that kind of breaks down the signing and, and how it all came about. But if, if I'm not finding him in any of my usual websites, I'm going to take a guess that he's been released. Um, he is 26, so they wouldn't have signed him. I think 20, and I may be wrong here, but I think 26 is too old to go to the GCL or even the Northwest Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would have had to have been assigned to, to Lansing or above. Um, and the fact that he hasn't, um, nor is he on any of the Phantom DLs there, would lead me to believe that, that possibly he was released out of spring training. Or he's just waiting. <laughs> well, well he, he could still be in Florida. I, I, I yeah. do still have a couple of contacts down there. I could I could fish around, and, and maybe I will for Carter for Carter next time. But yeah. uh, he did, I just want to mention one thing about Carter's email. He did say, do you compare you know, these three pitchers to the, the Lansing big three of Syndergaard, Santos, and Nicolino? Right. Of course, those three were in Vancouver as well. Um, Syndergaard and Santos for not very long, but Nicolino was there for the whole season. But, yeah. You know, I, I do, uh, different pitchers. You know, Nicolino was, was kind of a more control finesse guy, but mm-hmm. at least three are, are power power arms. Um, not, you know, with Toronto being a bit shorter, not in the mold of, of, of Syndergaard and Sanchez. Syndergaard, I remember seeing him in the stands. I never got to see him pitch, but I, I sat sort of close to him when he was tracking one time, and he was just flat out huge. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's going to be. It's definitely for us. It's it's the most exciting three pitching prospects we've had since those three. And uh, like Carter says, it's going to be fun to track them through the system. Hopefully, obviously, when they move up, uh, it doesn't go like it did earlier this year. All right. So thanks, Carter, again for the email. Uh, Yourvansees at gmail dot com again is the address, uh, or on Twitter, Greg Ballack ST, or at Charlie Kasky. Um, we'll try to do our next podcast on Sunday, um, if all goes well. Uh, no, gar- uh, no guarantees. I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to nix that right now. <laughs> okay, so no Sunday, maybe Monday. Oh, no, uh, if, if you if I can call in, then I could do it Sunday. So maybe Sunday. We'll talk about it off air, <laughs> yeah. and we'll definitely tweet when it's coming back. Um, you know, like you said, we try to do it on Sundays, but it doesn't always work out that way. Charlie had his trip this week, mm. tried to hook up, didn't quite work. Um, but we'll we'll. Get you at least one per week or one week per week and a half <laughs> if it works out like it did this week. Um, this is probably the latest you're going to get ever going to get a podcast because we had a lot of stuff going on. But um, the Canadians do have a series coming up. Tri-City is in town Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Salem-Kaiser coming in Sunday, Monday, and I believe Tuesday as well. They don't have the schedule up to July. Oh, they're all the way through yeah. Thursday, so they're here for a long series. Yeah. Salem-Kaiser, so the away, the, the teams from the other division do – Five game sets. Yeah. They'll do a home and away five game sets. So same guys will be up for five. Uh, obviously, yeah. that will include or encompass Canada Day. So I'm sure the C's have got 
some special hats and, and jerseys. Or they might just wear their their Sunday day game jerseys, which are red now anyway. So um, I'm sure there's something going on. Of course, I'm, I'm away, unfortunately. So we'll miss it. Well, it's a nooner. So get your tickets because those go quickly for the nooners. And, yeah, uh, it is weird because Tuesday is a is a holiday this week or this uh, this year for Canada Day. No long yeah. weekend. Yeah, it's not really a long weekend, is it? No. Unless, of course, you take the Monday off. And yeah. it's a really, really long, long weekend. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's discuss a little bit. I guess the other big minor league thing for the Blue Jays Twitter was a buzz as Daniel Norris was making his second start for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. They won five to one. So they, they did quite well with him on the mound. He went five and two-thirds, only gave up three hits, one run, obviously, in the 5-1 one, one win. Uh, three walks, and then the big the big number that everyone stands out, 10 strikeouts in five and two-thirds. As you mentioned on Twitter, he's one of the youngest pitchers in the Eastern League. That's that's just got fans drooling about that start. Yeah, well, not the fans. It, it, it got, you know, internet kind of prospect pundits, like I said, sort of re-entering the, the Daniel Norris loving. Um, uh, a lot of people had, had, had moved away from him and, and, and supposedly moved on after his his struggles. Over Rejoining the you on the bandwagon, right? <laughs> they, uh, they all left. I, I, I firmly stayed on. Um, and, yeah, he's been... he's been Well, I mean, his, his numbers in, in Benin were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been... He's been better, much better than advertised. And obviously, his his first start in New Hampshire, he gave up two home runs. But talking to a couple of people on Twitter that saw the game said the second one was very wind assisted, and then it was a pain scraper as well. So it would have wouldn't even have gone out of Yankee Stadium. Mm. Um, so, and that's that's what we've we've talked about that before. It's you can't always just look at the box score, um, but yeah, 19 Ks in in his 11 and a third. Um, not bad, not bad at all. He's still walking uh, a few hitters up to three point two, but it's it's a small sample size, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to get too excited. But you know, it's uh, it's a 21 year old in Double A, and and like Jim Sarkowski said, it's the biggest jump from from high A to Double A. His stuff seems to be passing with flying colors. He said he's walking a little bit, but his strike to ball ratio he had last started was 89 pitches, 60 strikes. That's not that's not terrible at all. No, that's very good. So, yeah, maybe he, he got ran into a bit of trouble in one inning. I, I didn't, I, I forgot, I did look through it, but mm-hmm. I think it was actually his last inning where he ran into a bit of trouble, didn't he? So maybe he was getting a bit tired yep. or something. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, his first first few innings were absolutely dominant. And, and Alex Antopoulos was there watching it, which obviously got Twitter a bit of a buzz, you know, that, you know, it was, yeah. it, it was kind of... The dreamers, maybe. Well, it was no. I think it was written that you know this is Anthopoulos is kind of he he takes a tour through all the minor league affiliates just to kind of take in what's going on. Yeah. Whereas some people kind of maybe read into it that you know they're showcasing Norris a bit of Double A as as trade bait, but yeah. who knows? You know, and it just goes to show that you can't like and I just said it a minute ago. You can't give up on these kids after uh, uh, one or a season and a half of. Mm-hmm. of, of because you know they come out of high school ball, and, and like guys like Matt Smorrell, uh, who's in Bluefield and, and had a, an excellent first start in Bluefield after being not so excellent in in the Gulf Coast League last year. Um, you know Jake Brents, who's who's now thrown twice down in the Gulf Coast League, and this is his second year there. 
they didn't they didn't throw a ton in high school. Brent only became a pitcher as a junior in high school and small had that broken foot which mm-hmm. dropped him down a bit. So even though the Blue Jays kind of spent a lot of money on him, obviously if they're gonna spend that kind of money, they're gonna do their utmost to iron out any mechanical flaws they see, which I'm sure they've got tons of them, um, and try and reshape them as pitchers. So it's going to take a bit of time. Um, you know, Small was walking, you know, about an inning last season. He, he did it again in his first start, you know, three and three innings, but he also struck out nine. So his, the stuff's there, you know, and, and in high school, they can get by on, um, you know, a fastball yeah. and, and, and kind of a, probably a mediocre breaking pitch. Because the hitters, they don't know what to do with a 94, 95 mile an hour fastball. Whereas <laughs> when you when you hit the pros, they're pro hitters for a reason. Yeah. So you know you need to be able to hit your spots, and you need to be able to throw your changeup with pretty similar arm speed to your fastball and your and your slider from mm-hmm. a pretty slimmer arm slot. Or good hitters are going to pick up on it. Yeah. So. Well, like they were saying on the Jays broadcast today, you got a guy like Colby Rasmus at the plate, and he, he doesn't matter how hard your fastball is, he can turn around on it and, and oh, yeah. make it I mean, pay. Major league hitters, if, if you're throwing a 100 mile an hour fastball, if you're throwing it straight, major league hitters will turn it. Yeah. You know, that's why they're there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this Norris is, you know, it's just it's awesome to see, and, and hopefully we see the same thing with guys like Yara Laborde and, and Matt Smorrell and 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 Brent's um, there's there's a few exciting prospects, left-handed prospects in the, in the J system. Um, come, you know, hopefully coming down the pipeline, and yeah. hopefully coming to the seas. I mean, yes. the board already, but you know, if if Smoral has a good first half, then he's someone that we, we may see. You never know. Some other news and notes around the Blue Jays organization is. Uh, Futures game uh, roster was announced. Daniel Norris made that roster. And also uh, his former teammate, I guess, down in Dunedin would have been Dalton Pompey uh, was announced to the roster as well. He's doing quite well down there. He's 21 years old. Um, and slash line 312-392-460 down in double A. Or sorry, in sing- single A with Dunedin. Um, so a pretty good start to the year for him, first half of the season for him. And he gets rewarded with a, a spot on that I don't know. Is it a big deal to be named to that prospects team? But I guess it's uh, it bodes well for your future. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a big deal for sure. I mean, he's. You know, you look at most of the guys, and, and I don't know. I haven't gone through the whole team, but I'm guessing. You know, they're probably double A to triple A players. So to have a guy from the Florida State League named to the team, mm-hmm. um, I think is, is is great. And I think people, you know, not just you know us nerd Blue Jay prospect porters, but, you know, people outside the uh, the organization that sort of write about prospects for a living are really starting to sit up and take notice of um, of, of Pompey as well. And I think even, uh, I think there was a quote from, from Keith Law who said, you know, the two of the biggest breakout kind of players in this, in this futures game could be, could be Norris and Pompey. So, yeah. you know, he's been, he's been getting quite a love, um, you know, uh, what did Law say? Um, potential leadoff hitter and talented athlete. And he, apparently, he's an he's an unbelievable athlete. I I saw him play a couple times when he was in Vancouver. He was only here for twelve games. Um, mm-hmm. Broke broke his hand, um, but I mean, I thought he was unbelievable. Uh, and, but we all know that I can fall in love with. You know, if there's <laughs> one thing, uh, if there's one thing, Jay's fans love too. It's uh, the, the Maple Jays, and he's another Canadian, Dalton Pompey from Mississauga. Uh, yep. So. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's been doing it all, hasn't he? Um, for for Dineen this year, leading the league, Florida State League in stolen bases with 26. He's only been caught stealing twice, and I think I know for sure one of those was on a on a pitch out. Um, you know, he's walking um, 11% walk rate right now. He's he's cutting his strikeouts down to uh, 17.5%, which is kind of a, a career low um, with with any sort of sample size. Um, he, he's hitting for some pop. His isolated slugging is 157. So, mm. yeah, he's been he's been very good this year. I'm really really surprised that uh, he hasn't been promoted to New Hampshire because uh, who's New Hampshire got right now? Kenny Wilson, who you know the DFA earlier this season. He's he's a non prospect. Um, mm. So I, I'd, I'd be very curious as to why um, they feel like they need to leave Pompey in in Deneen for now because he's. This is his fourth, uh, fifth pro season, so he's Rule Five eligible um, mm-hmm. after the season. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to put him on the 40 man, but you would have thought they would have had to, you know, they'd want to see him kind of against a higher level of yeah. pitching in Double A before they make that decision. So, getting get that I, period where it's now or never with him. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was drafted really young, and then he and then he had a couple seasons cut short by injury, so he hasn't really had the opportunity to. To break out, and then you know, last season was his first full year. He, he kind of he put started putting things together near the end of the season, and obviously this year's been brilliant. So, you know, they, they promote Norris quite aggressively. I'm 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 a bit perplexed as to why Pompey hasn't followed suit. The other Blue Jays note, I guess, in the past few days, like yesterday, was Kevin Pillar got sent down to AAA. Um, for pouting, I guess they said, because he got pulled from a game for Anthony Ghost to come in pinch hit. And I guess he, he had a little bit of an outburst in the dugout, threw his bat down the tunnel, uh, and Gibby said, that's it, you're, you're going back to Buffalo. They send up a guy uh, named Brad Glenn, who was doing well for the, the Bisons in AAA, and Anthopoulos said he's a the guy they had their eye on for a little while, they wanted to give him a chance. And do you agree with that kind of a knee-jerk reaction to Pilar's outburst, or, you know, Pilar probably is the better better player of the two, but I guess they give a guy who's paid his dues in the minors for a while and give him a chance up with the big club because Pilar uh, had a bit of a, needs an attitude adjustment, I guess is, uh, is what they're going for. Yeah, I'm a bit ambivalent about it. I don't mm-hmm. think he needs an attitude adjustment. I, I think it was a, a one-off incident. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it's great that he was pissed off that he was getting pinch hit for, you know. He's obviously competitive. He always wants to hit, mm-hmm. and then I I understand what Gibbons is doing too. You know, I, he didn't. You know, his interview was quite funny. I think someone asked him, "Is, is that the reason?" And he said, "Well, it didn't help." Um, yeah. You know, and you know, Glenn. Uh, they they say it's got a, a bit more pop maybe than Pilar, so they wanted to add a bit of power. Um, I guess they're going to face quite a few lefties coming mm-hmm. up over the next little while, so wanted a right-handed bat that maybe had a bit more pop. He's got. You know, four home runs in his 30 games in Buffalo, and then he had five in his 36 in New Hampshire. So, Pillar is never going to be much of a home run here. He, no. he hopefully he kind of turns himself into a bit of a gap to gap hitter. I mean, he had two hits tonight when he when he went down. So, he's good. Too he should good be angry. <laughs> he's too good for AAA, but so far he hasn't he hasn't shown that he can hit major league pitching. So, I think he's fine off the bench. Honestly, at this point in his but, career, he has a chance to get better, but right now he's a perfectly viable option off the bench. I, I think he's he's fine. And, and, you know, like I think I said previously, you know, if, if Colby Rasmus does go, 
I'm sort of okay of, of, of kind of a ghost Pilar, you know, platoon mm-hmm. next year in center. I hope not. Though. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, obviously you hope Rasmus resigns, but yeah. it, it's going to take a fair amount of money to get that yeah. done. So I don't, I don't know if they're going to have the appetite for it given his inconsistent career thus far, but that's, that's for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Pilar will be back up. I just think, oh, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't doing a ton with with the Jays, and and he had a bit of oh, an act of petulance. So yeah, it just gave him a chance to say, you know what, we're going to give this other guy a chance for a bit. But I'm sure they told him, you know, you're down there. For, or they didn't tell him you're down there for good. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure they said, you know, keep keep it hitting like you were. He was hitting over 400 in the time he since he was demoted last time, yeah. which was about a month ago. So. He can flat out rake in the international league, and he just needs to to figure out how to uh, catch up to a major league fastball, and then not get fooled on a slider away. We have a injury or a, a listener question here coming in under the wire um, on Twitter. At uh, Stuart Rogers just sent us a, a question, and it's uh, given the current roster, who are your starting nine? And I guess we don't really have much to go off because. You know, most of the starting, you know, we had a chance to see a, a few of the guys. Um, but his other question was uh, also, what are your, what is your thinking of the ceiling on Case? Um, what, what's his highest ceiling, I guess, uh, in your eyes? Uh, uh, Case yeah. has actually been been better than I thought this mm-hmm. year. Um, when did I see him? Um, Nine and two thirds, zero point nine three ERA. So not bad for four appearances. Yeah, so I saw him when he came in um, on the Friday because uh, obviously Laborte um, wasn't going to go the next day after pitching the first inning on Thursday. So Case came in and pitched four innings, and he was he obviously he um, it was it's kind of funny they changed the ruling. I guess minor league baseball used to just scrap a game if it was rained out after an inning or two um, and then restart, but they now start it from where it was left off. So mm-hmm. Spokane started with runners on second and third and none out. Um, and in that first inning, I mean, both those runners scored, but even the outs were were pretty loud contact. He was getting knocked around a yeah. bit. Um, but he settled down after that, and he, he was really good. Um, so, yeah, she's uh, bullpen arm. You know, maybe, like, like I said before, I've always been kind of of, of the mind that if you're a bullpen arm here, your ceiling's not all that high. But, right. you know, guys like... Eric Sikula might, you know, he he might be the one that that kind of proves me wrong. He's he was a bullpen arm here, and he's now up in New Hampshire and and, and doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you got the other the other one where you know Chuck Geisels was was a, a really popular player here last year. You know, the, the siege closer and was released at the end of spring training. So you know, who knows. But mm-hmm. I think I think Andy's Andy's passport will will buy him some time, just like Eric Browns did over the last few seasons, and, and he'll get a chance to prove himself. So he, you know he could very well end up in, in kind of Dunedin, maybe 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 New Hampshire. All right. Well, thanks, Stuart, for the question, and we implore more people to start sending him in at Stuart Rogers is 
the name of the fellow who sent us that question. So thank well, you. Well, let's, let's really quickly try and do the lineup because <laughs> we're we're getting pretty late here. So I don't know if we uh, uh, want well, to go too well, much. Well, let's go. We'll, uh, obviously, Broom is going to is going to play first. I, I like Lucastro at second. Mm-hmm. Um, Bredo obviously is short. I think. You know, third has been where it's kind of shifted around a bit. I think yeah. Metzler being a draft pick this year will end up there long term. Um, I think Christian Vasquez could be out of a job um, over the next couple of weeks. Left field would be Davis, center fields, and then right. I really thought Calflis would play a lot more this year. It's, it's surprising that he hasn't. Um, Boomer Collins didn't get most of the reps. So mm-hmm. I think Calflis ends up in right. And then obviously catcher, it's going to be Max Pentecost. Yeah, well, that's the other quick update we'll have to have. <laughs> Pentecost Hoffman, still not signed. Uh, there was a report earlier um, that they will sign eventually. It's just taking a little longer than expected. And when they do sign, Pentecost will be trotting his way down to Vancouver, uh, which is exciting. I guess that came right from Anthopolis. Yeah, apparently it did. Um, so, yeah, um, that's great news. You know, that's basically what the coaches said to us at media day. Um, but then with all, there was, there was tons of catcher movement within the system. Santiago Nessi was promoted from Lansom to Dunedin, I think. Jorge um, Saez was as well. And then um, Michael Reeves last year's seas catcher came down. So it, it sort of looked like it was setting it up that maybe he would go to Lansing with all this movement. But, you know, if they're still saying he's going to head to Vancouver, that's great. But it, Kind of, I get the feeling now that it might be just for a cup of coffee. But either way, it'd be it'd be fun to see him. All right, so let's get to the interviews here. We got a couple good ones to to get to. Um, the first one is going to be uh, with Jason Parks, who you spoke to, the lead writer for Baseball Prospectus. And what kind of things did you talk to Jason about? Oh man, we we talked about loads of stuff. I mean, he he's you know, Baseball Prospectus. It's it's for those that don't. It's 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 a subscription site, but it. it it's one of the better sites around for, you know, just news on prospects. They get they get eyes on prospects, and he he kind of explains how that all works right off. That was one of my first questions, um, and then we sort of went through what I I wanted to mainly focus on on C's guys, and obviously that kind of includes Trado and Laborde, you know, who were in in Lansing the beginning of the season. He was yeah. really high on Trado coming into the season. I think he he had him as number three in his Blue Jays top ten, so. We chatted about them, obviously chatted about Dan Norris, who looks like it's going to go from being outside uh, BP's preseason uh, top 101 prospects into their top 50 midseason ranking. So mm. one of the biggest jumpers um, in their list. Um, talk about him. And then, yeah, talk about the C's, mainly Barreto. Um, I, and I'd just like to... to. I know last week I, I kind of had to make a... A carte blanche statement that I asked a really dumb question to Jeff Ware. <laughs> I do ask a dumb question to Jason Parks here. I hope listeners will think it's only the one. Um, and I'm sure once you've heard it, you'll know which one it is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to have him on and <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to him. Hopefully we can, we can get him again. Yeah. If you don't know baseball prospectus, it's the real deal. There was uh, plenty of really good writers are, are on that site. And also, uh, Kevin Goldstein, who used to write for them, is now the director of pro scouting for the Houston Astros. So, you know, you, you look oh, at yeah. their... They're, the people that are writing for, for BP know what they're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, another guy that writes for BP who's who's an excellent follow on Twitter, and, and hopefully we can get him on the show one time, is Chris King, who who kind of does the both 
is in Florida, so it has a lot of like today. I think he saw the uh, the GCLJs, and they always you know throw out four or five tweets after the game mm-hmm. of info. He's at Stats King, so I don't want to pump these guys' tires too much, but they're <laughs> they're excellent follows. Yep. So here's uh, your interview with Jason Parks, who you had a chance to talk to. What was it, three or four days ago? Yeah, it was a while ago, yeah. as, uh, as, as we said. So apologies if it's a little dated. <laughs> it took us a while to get to get to the podcast, so yeah. Yeah, it might be slightly dated. Yeah. And it's another one over your phone. we got to get you in the studio for these interviews. We do. <laughs> but uh, you can still hear the audio fine, so it's uh, let's get to it now. It's uh, Charlie Kasky with Jason Parks from Baseball Prospectus. We're with uh, Jason Parks, the lead writer, national writer, Baseball Prospectus, which does exactly what it says on the tin. Jason, thanks for joining us. Of course. Um, thanks for having me on. One of my first questions, actually, is it says you're the National Prospect Player Development Writer for, for BP, which is, one, you know, this is a big thrill for me. It's one of the sites that I use as my Bible. Um, like, how often, one of my big questions is, how often do you see the players that you guys write about? So many players, obviously you can't see them all. How often do you see them? And, and then when you don't see them, how is information shared amongst the site? Okay, that's a good question. Um, obviously, yeah, I can't see everybody. I, I, you know, I travel most of the year, so I do a good job of trying to see as much as I possibly can. Um, I watch amateur talent at the showcase level, stateside amateur talent. I watch international talent at Dominican showcases. Um, I watch pro talent um, all throughout spring training. I hit multiple stops throughout the season, Eastern League, New York Penn League, uh, Arizona for the short season complex ball, spent a lot of time at Instructs in the end of the year, ASL, but we have a deep staff, we make it a point of baseball prospectus to put eyes on the players that we write about, so if I haven't seen a player, there's probably somebody on my staff that hasn't seen a player. Um, along with those eyewitness accounts, we also augment those with industry sources that we have, um, I have a pretty deep Rolodex of, uh, you know, scouts and front office personnel that I like to talk to about players. Um, I like to form my own opinion, but I also like to gather as much information as possible, both from the scouting side and, you know, uh, any kind of information I can get from either the player dev standpoint, staff, anything. You know, I just look at all the information I can and I formulate my opinion accordingly. And... I mean, what, what do you, uh, this is a difficult question, sorry, what, what are you looking for when you say, when you look for a picture, have you got certain scouts that you go to, or are you are you kind of, you know, on your own back, what, what you're looking to see as far as mechanics, and like, have you got a bias of what you're looking yeah. to see? Yeah, I mean, we all do, right? I mean, because we all see the game through a different lens, we all learn a different way of what looks right. When I'm looking at a pitcher, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not one of those guys who get too deep into mechanical breakdowns, biomechanical breakdowns, or swing mechanics, or right. pitching mechanics. Um, for me, this is what I look for, and it's, it, sometimes it proves right, sometimes it proves wrong, but I look for just ease and fluidity. That's, as with anything, I mean, a hitter that's really fluid and easy can probably repeat, can probably make an adjustment. Pitchers that are fluid and easy can probably repeat. You know, uh, repeating is the key to pitching. You know, staying consistent in your mechanics, staying consistent in your release point. Once you're able to do that, you're able to establish command, you're able to establish release points so that you're able to find utility in your secondary arsenal, your fastball. Um, so 
I don't really want, I mean, I, obviously you want to see, like, certain attributes, you know, but, I mean, for me, it just starts with, you know, fluidity and comfort and athleticism. If a player can repeat and it looks easy, it's probably easy. Well, that, that segues very well to my next question. Um, you were the, I wrote a piece at the beginning of the season kind of amalgamating with my own Blue Jays top 30, um, all the different sort of prospectors that looked at him, and you were the only one that had Stroman ahead of Sanchez, which is looking good right now, but, you, you <laughs> it know... It looked good then, too. It looked good then, it looks good now, and and I think Stroman is is with Toronto to stay, so we'll, we'll touch on that later when we talk about the future tops prospects with Toronto. But you, you know, fluidity, you know, and Aaron Sanchez, when he throws off the mound, looks very easy. But you, I think you even mentioned there was a word, ball sack came up. Um, he had a very good MLB camp. He's been promoted. What, what have you seen or what have you heard from him so far this season? We have six eyewitness reports on Aaron Sanchez so far this year. So we've seen not every star, but almost like every other star that he's made this year. And um, all reports read about the same. Aaron Sanchez has a very prototypical build. He's everything you want as far as size. He might have the easiest release in, in, in baseball. The ball just kind of explodes out of his hand, and then it looks like he's just playing catch, and it's 95 to 98. Um, the way his delivery is, though, and the way that his arm is, is that there's not a lot of command projection there. I don't see that happening with him. Um, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one, he's not very consistent with his release and struggles to actually locate, locate his spots, work east and west. He's kind of a, it ends up where it ends up type of pitcher. Two, the reason for that is that everything he throws has a great deal of movement to it. His fastball runs a great deal, I mean, a tremendous amount. And he, you know, even if he starts it down the middle or middle out, that ball will run away from him and run out of the strike zone. And it's just one of those nasty, nasty pitches that he's not going to be able to control with any kind of, you know, uh, consistency. But what he is going to be able to do is miss some bats as long as he can throw some form of strike. I mean, he can survive a little loose in the zone, whereas other guys can't. You know, good fastball, probably a double-plus fastball. Curveball shows double-plus. Changeup is getting there. So he's probably a mid-rotation guy. If the command doesn't come, he's a back-end uh, bullpen arm. But either way, he's got impact potential. <sighs> <laughs> That's sad to hear from a, a, a Blue Jays fan, but um, we, yeah, but it's not, it's not sad. I mean, he's a mid-rotation starter. Yeah, under yeah. Cost control for six years. That's a hell of a good player. Yeah, you're right. So, if you were, he's if, like AJ Burnett. Man, he reminds me of a young AJ Burnett. So, a guy who's just got incredible stuff. It's just a little loose. You know, it's just too loose to harness. So I'm. As I'm sure you're aware, I mean, you, you've got a thousand Twitter followers. I'm, I'm sure you get pumped full of questions from Blue Jays fans left and right. Half of them want to keep him because I think, as you say, he's, well, maybe an upper-end rotation starter. But obviously the, uh, the MLB, the camp, it was a, not a showcase, but he, he looked good. Would you trade him now? I mean, I guess it just depends on what I'm getting back. Yeah. You know, it's all based on internal scouting. Um, this is our internal scouting. You know, this is what we've seen so far this year. Right. Um, maybe the Jays think that a couple of tweaks 
and he will have the command to pitch a, a top a rotation because he certainly has the stuff to do it. The command is the missing piece. Some pitchers never find it. Some pitchers learn later. You know, so I think it's just based on your internal scouting. The Jays have put a lot of money into this, you know? Yeah. Going back to drafting this guy and then putting him through every step of the developmental process. I mean, that's an investment that goes beyond just the money. So it's it's hard to trade a guy like that that you put so much time and energy in for a guy that you have no connection to. You know, I understand the, the, the will to win and the desire to win and the need to win, but when you trade a commodity that you have procured and then developed for a commodity that you have no familiarity with other than just who they are as a player, man, you, you need to really be right. Because right. those kind of trades don't happen all that often. Yeah. Uh, moving down, uh, you had Daniel Norris quite high. I had him very high on my list as well. Um, I think he's been better this year than probably most people would have expected. Um, would you know? I think you guys do a mid-season top hundred or something. Should be coming up fairly soon. Is he knocking on the door? Yeah, well, he's a he's a mid, we're doing a mid-season top fifty. Uh, top fifty, sorry, and Norris. Norris is going to jump up that high. The reports on him have been fantastic. Um, he's a he's a great kid. Good makeup. Um, works works hard. He's athletic. You know he's got the the hand that you can't teach. Uh, he's got good stuff, and it's starting to uh, you know he's starting to learn how to use it a little bit better. Um, he's starting to learn how to, to pitch instead of just throw. And I think that you know he's going to be something very uh, you know mid rotation type of starter, but still, I mean. That's a hell of a player to have, and he's definitely somebody that is moving up the prospect ranks. And I wanted to um, quickly touch on Dunedin. Obviously, Norris was there for the bulk of the season. He's up in New Hampshire right now. So if we can quickly, you know, Dunedin's been a nice story. They've won the first half um, for the Northern or whatever they are um, with Taylor Cole, Matt Boyd, Norris. You know, the first two names are probably more organizational. But one name that sort of leaps out is Dalton Pompey. Um, he uh, has he jumped ahead of I mean everyone is sort of talking about you know DJ Davis was the was the athlete the first rounder but Pompey seems to have leaped ahead of him and and Kenny Wilson and I mean I think he should be in New Hampshire now what what have you heard about him yeah I mean I, I I'm very very familiar with this player um, I agree with you that he should probably be in New Hampshire and I'm sure that that'll come over the summer it shouldn't be too much longer um you know, a lot of people were just unfamiliar with this guy, being a Canadian kid, not getting a lot of hype coming out of the, you know, the draft. He was barely seen. Um, he, he had some injury issues, so he wasn't really able to show full strength on the field. Now that he is, you know, he's showing that he's a guy who's got a, you know, a 70 runner. He's a guy who can play center field. He's a guy who can swing with stick. He's got some pop. Um, you know, not a top 50 guy for me, but, I mean, Right. Yeah, is he is he the best position prospect in the in the organization? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is he better? Is he a better player, better prospect than DJ Davis? Yeah, he is. I mean, I think Davis can jump up there. Davis has got some athleticism that's pretty nuts, but you know, he doesn't have the baseball skills yet. Pompey's showing baseball skills. I think he's a top position prospect in that system. What have you? I mean, we we've seen, and I just want to be very brief on this. His, I mean, his stolen base numbers this year. Are unbelievable. What what have you heard about his running skill? Is he a is he a seventy runner or just very good at reading a picture? Yeah, Pompey. 
Yeah, he's a 70 runner. He's a, he's, I mean, it's an easy plus run. He pops 70 times on, on jailbreak bugs. He can get close to elite times. Like he's a, he's a superior athlete. He's a major league quality athlete. And I think when you're looking at a guy like Pompey, you know, is he, you know, a first division guy? You know, is he a, you know, a starter on a good team in center field? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. But, I mean, right. he's probably going to play at the major league level for a while. He's, the floor is probably a reserve outfielder. And, you know, and given where he was drafted and all that, I mean, yeah, that's a huge win. That's like a, you know, I mean, he was a, I don't even remember when he was drafted. I know it's, it's got to be like, I think it's the 16th round, 15th to 16th round. I mean, anytime you can get a possible major leaguer in that round, man, it's just, you just take it all day long. It's just a huge win. Well, yeah, not only that, but he was he was drafted young, and then as you said, we saw him here in Vancouver for all of twelve games, and he broke his hand, so he's he's had some injury yeah. problems. Um, Lansing, Lansing was meant to be the team that dragged the Jays into the sort of top ten of of sort of minor league systems this year, and things haven't exactly worked out as planned so far. Um, you were very high on a couple of the players going into the season. What uh, have have any of the players in Lansing sort of burnished their reputation? No, yeah, I mean not at that level. I think that you know I'm such a I like the high ceiling guys, like the impact guys. I don't care how young they are, I don't care how raw they are. Yeah, and that that team coming in had a lot of those type of guys. And just because it doesn't, you know, I kind of rank systems based on talent. You know, and when that talent starts to mature, well, then it, a good system can become a great system. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, there's been some guys on this type of roster that haven't taken that next step forward. But that doesn't mean that they can't take that step forward eventually. It may happen in the second half of the year. It may happen next year. The point is, is that they have the talent to make that step. Some some teams have rosters full of players that, man, they're never going to make that step. They're going to be in the minor leagues forever. These guys could blossom into major league quality talent. That's why I was so high on the J system coming into the season. Yeah. One, uh, actually, one guy that I want to talk about. You were um, a, a lot of the other guys that you know writers in this in genre were quite high on Mitch Nay. You were a bit lower on him, um, saying his his bat needs to play because it, it'll have to play at first base. You know, if he if he moves off third, what? You know, he's had a bit of an up-and-down season. He started off really well in Lansing, then kind of had a bit of a struggle and has been picking it up lately. What have you heard kind of defensively? It's it's tough to tell, obviously, from the box scores what he's doing, you know, on that end of the game. What have, what have you seen or heard, or, or what have you guys seen? I've got some, I've got some reports on him. I mean, he's a hard worker. He's a guy that, it, unfortunately, from a physical standpoint, he just doesn't profile the stick at third long-term. Now, maybe he can make it work for a little while, but it's just not an ideal spin. He's a big kid. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, he's probably more of a, of a first baseman type. I don't see that sort of bat coming out of him. I know that, you know, going into the season last year, there are a lot of people who really, really loved, you know, his profile. Obviously, you know, as a first-round guy, he's going to come with a lot of hype. As a guy who, you know, played in short season ball last year, he did really well. You know, he hit 300. He showed six home runs and a, a short-season level that you know people really can get excited about that. But I think there's a, a little bit too much uh, stat scouting there as opposed to like, the actual scouting. Because if you've right. seen this kid, he's a big guy. It's not, it's not an ideal third-base profile. And uh, you know, I, there's not a lot of stuff in that bat to think that he's going to carry a first-base role. But 
baby. Again, he's a you know he's a twenty twenty year old kid, turned twenty one this year. He's got a lot of time to to figure this out. And speaking of uh, of young kids, the Jays are. It seems like stacked in the shortstop position. We got Emilio Guerrero, Dunedin, then Lugo, um, Bredo, and then Urena, and then uh, Gudinho. What What have you heard? I mean, obviously Lugo again, same thing. Got off to a really slow start with the cold and stuff like that, but has picked it up lately. Um, we'll, we'll touch on Bredo in a second, but what have you what have you guys heard or seen from from those guys from Guerrero and Lugo I guess specifically I mean Lugo's got a fit look I mean that guy can play shortstop he's really good I think he's got a lot of baseball skills um, I mean the Midwest was really cold um, this year to start the season and this is a you know people kind of forget this sometimes I mean I know we had stateside experience but this is a you know, a 19-year-old Dominican kid. Uh, yeah. He's playing in the Midwest League where at night when it's some of the game times are, or some of the game temperatures are starting at like 40 degrees. And uh, the guy did have a lot of experience playing at 40 degrees. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just something that you take a 19-year-old kid from the Dominican Republic and you put him in a pitcher-friendly cold league to start the year. It's tough. That's the toughest time, man. I think that, uh, I think he's handled it well. I think he's, a, I think he's got a, uh, a really bright future. Uh, he struggles quite a bit with arm side stuff. I mean, you can get him inside. You can get him with breaking balls. Um, you know, but he was on. He got a really slow start. And he's really started to put it together a little bit. Had a good. Had a good May. Uh, I'm a big. Uh, I like Lugo quite a bit. I think that uh, he's not the prize at that position in the system. I mean, obviously that's going to go to Barreto, um, and that kid is probably not going to play shortstop at the major league level. Uh, he's probably going to end up having to move off that position at some point, but man, he could stick a baseball. He's got a really natural feel for hitting. I like I like his skill set a lot. I got really really strong reports on Barreto. Well, that's what I was. Yeah, that was going to be my next. I mean, obviously, he's gone off to a great start in the Northwest League, being the youngest player in the league. Um, you know, if you if we're to gloss over the the K rate, which isn't great, and the numbers from extended, he was striking out quite a bit. You know, the athleticism is meant to be off the charts. Will his bat play, you know, whether they move him to center field or, or second or, or wherever they decide? Because, you know, for most reports, Richard Urena will bypass him at shortstop sooner or later defensively. <laughs> yeah, no, well, he already has. <laughs> that, that guy... No, that guy has surpassed a lot of major leaguers as far as like what he can do with the leather. That guy can really play shortstop. That's the shortstop of the future. Is he is he that good? Because I mean, I, I spoke to um, uh, John Schneider, the C, the C's manager, and he he tried to play it like they were the same, but you could see it. You could tell in his voice that Urena is is there or thereabouts. Yeah, he's he's the best uh, defensive shortstop in the organization. Um, Barreto is a different type of kid. I mean, obviously, you know, the athleticism, but he's got good hitting skills. The bat to ball, you know, he's going to have some swing in this. I mean, he's a young kid, and you know what he is? He's a hitter. Yeah. He sees balls out there trying to attack him. This isn't, you know, a 24-year-old in low A who's working walks and get, has a nice on-base percentage. This guy's out there to swing the bat. He's an advanced college league, and he's a, you know... He's a high school kid for the most part in age, and so he's in the Northwest League and he's ripping balls. Man, let him keep ripping. He's not hurting. I mean, it's, this is this is what you want to see from a hitter. You want to see them hit, right? Um, 
he's probably the only hitting prospect we have right now until until hopefully Rowdy makes his way up. What uh, just quickly on him? Uh, did you hear much? I heard good things from extended from Tellez. His bat speed is meant to be off the charts, considering how big he is. Rowdy, so yeah, I mean he definitely he's a he's a huge guy. I got to see him in high school. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not so those guys have to hit a ton, man. And it's really hard for me to get excited about right that type of profile. I mean, if, if you you have to hit it at every level. I mean, it, let me know at Double A that you're crushing the ball, and then you know we'll start to pay more attention to that. But at the, at the, the lower levels, are, that profile, man, those guys are a dime a dozen until they aren't. You know, right. Okay, well, lastly, obviously, the C's this year, this is the first time we've had some serious prospects, especially in the staff, for a while. You know, a couple of years ago, we had Sanchez, Syndergaard, and Nicolino, but only Nicolino started with the team uh, from the beginning. Now we've got Castro, Torado, Laborte. You, you, as you said, you were you were high on Torado at the beginning of the season because projectability, he hasn't shown that he can throw a ton of strikes so far. What have you heard? I mean, is it going to sort of affect his status? Is he now looking more like a, a a bullpen arm, or is it just a case of young mechanical issues, something that can be worked out? Well, I mean, most Dominican prospects end up, or pitchers end up being in the bullpen. Yeah, it's just one of those things. He's, a, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, so he's got a couple of things working against him, at least as far as like profile is concerned. Um, his arm is really live. I mean, he's just—he's a what is he, nineteen-year-old kid? Yeah. He just doesn't have the—he doesn't have the feel for pitching yet. He's—he's he's still very much a thrower. He's still very much a kid that like grabs the ball and just gets whippy and just—you know—it's exciting. You know, the arm is—if you've seen it's like wow, man, that guy's got a fantastic arm. I talked to a lot of scouts this offseason when I was putting together the Jays list. You thought, you know, if, if he clicks, if it comes together, it's really abnormal. I'm like, it's really high ceiling. It's really crazy. Problem is, he's a 19-year-old kid, you know, and it's not there yet. It's very unrefined. He's very raw. And I think his performance so far reflects that. I mean, if you look at some of his starts, you know, he'll put together a start where he looks really, really sharp, and then he'll walk five guys the next outing. You know, he doesn't have any consistency, and his command has been just flat-out awful. Right. Um, but that's the reason that, you know, he's, he's back in a, the short-season level. He can. There's no reason to rush kids like this. There's no reason to rush a kid like Laborte. You know, Laborte has a crazy high ceiling, you know, lefty with that kind of size, that kind of stuff. He just doesn't really have the utility right now. He's barely growing into his body. He's, uh, he's not always the most coordinated guy in the world. You know, it's going to take time and muscle memory for this to all come together. Uh, Miguel Castro is the same way. As a 19-year-old kid, he's 6'5". He's still putting, he's still growing into his body. He's still becoming a man physically. Uh, um, when I saw Castro the other day... Yeah, when I saw Castro the other day, he's humongous, but yeah, he's a beanpole. So how they can get everything all in sync, it's it's tough to tell. Yeah, man, it takes time. It's yeah. short season ball, and I love it, but it's schizophrenic as all hell. Yeah. Uh, last question before I let go. What, uh, I mean, you said you guys have got lots of eyes on. Give us someone from the Jay system that is outside the box that we can we can look at. Uh, my, my guy is Shane Dawson. Who have you got? Okay, I'm a 
think about this for a second. Let me go back and check out some reports that I have that came in the other day. I can give you something fresh. I've heard Taylor Coles picked up a slider that is looking very good in, in Dunedin, but, and you may be able to confirm this for me. I, I spoke to the um, New Hampshire pitching coach, who was obviously the C's pitching coach, Jim Sikowski, and he says from high A to double A is the biggest step, for pitchers at least. Do you agree? I, I, I do. I do think that for pitchers and for some hitters, obviously the biggest step in professional baseball is from the minors to the majors, but yeah. that's... There's that big, there's that big jump off. There's that big step, and I often call it the double A test for for some hitters. But I mean, a lot of the time, it just depends on where you are from a developmental standpoint. As a hitter, once you reach high and once you reach double A, you start to see things that you've never seen before, like pitchers who can throw breaking balls for strikes. Right. You don't see that at the lower levels. And like when a pitcher needs to make a pitch at the lower levels, he doesn't. He throws his fastball. Well, a hitter knows that, and so they're just waiting to jump on that kind of stuff. So it's just it's just a matter of time. Uh, you know, before they're able to to see things that they've never seen before and make that adjustment. And you know, baseball is all a game of adju- adjustments. You have to constantly fail and adjust. Um, there's a lot of guys in this system that are going to face that. I mean, they, they have such high ceiling talent that it's so low that these guys are going to have to go through the ups and downs of uh, the developmental process. They're going to have to fail a lot and they're going to have to come out ahead. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys in the system that, man, I wish I had good reports on. <laughs> you know, I wish, like, a, a guy like, you know, I, I, I put him in the top ten, Chase DeYoung. That's a guy that I wanted to be really, really, I, well, I thought he was ready to come out and take that real, that next step and just blow people away. Yeah. You know, uh, people waiting for Cardona forever to do it. Um, I, I thought Toronto was ready to take another step. I thought DJ Davis was ready to take a step. So as we talked about in the beginning, yeah, some guys are taking a step back, but I'm still really high on the whole system as a result because these guys have the talent to get there. They're just really far behind, you know, the developmental curve, and they just have to keep taking steps forward. The good thing is, is that they're so young that I mean, they're not really behind on that curve. It just seems like they are based on our perception because of their their ceilings. Right. And obviously, I mean, you you had on the rise in your preseason. You had Clinton Hall, and there's a another Tommy John. You know, they've they've had I a know. bit of oh, man. I know that sucked. Yeah, it, it sounds like um, you know we had him here in Vancouver. Who I, I loved watching him. You know, maybe he he's probably a mid level prospect, but Tom Robson looks like he's going to have Tommy John. They they had they've had some bad luck. You I know. know, with Hoffman. Oh, I know, and it's, every system is dealing with. The injury bug, and it's not—it's not just unique to any one team. Unfortunately, like the guys we're talking about have all these high ceilings. Again, it's one of the reasons I really like the Jays' system is they have all these high ceiling guys. Yeah. The problem is, is that early on in the developmental process, it's going to look pretty bad. And there's a lot of guys in the Jays' system who look really bad right now. But a year from now, we could be talking about high-end prospects. Right. And quickly before uh, before I let you go, what do you think of their draft? I mean, but I always like their draft. They're always you know, doing things like going after talent that other, other teams are a little hesitant to go for. Um, I'm just super impressed with the way that they they went out and took some chances. You know, I, I kind of had them pegged before the draft. I heard rumors that they were going to get 2 p 2 Saunt. I thought that he was going to fall to them. But then, you know, showing some balls and going for Hoffman, man, I loved it. Loved it. Well, it's, it was just because you guys, what did you guys have Reed Foley as, 19? 
yeah. Yeah, and, and the, to, sign him, to sign him for slot at 40-odd, it's pretty impressive. Uh, they I did, love they must. Do you? Did you? Did you guys get to see yeah. him? I've been watching him since he was, I've been watching him since he was a junior. I mean, it, the ceiling isn't crazy, but he's probably a mid-rotation guy and a good one. He's a guy that could have gone in the top 15, 20 picks. And, yeah, to sign him for slot when, I guess, I don't know if everyone thought that he was going to fall because of his his University of Florida commitment or what, but... I think it was a commitment, but there's also a really, it was a really deep draft. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of players that had that kind of profile. And look at a guy like Grant Holmes. He fell to 22. That kid's a monster. That kid was up to 100 miles an hour with two secondary pitches. And he fell to 22. Wow. And what do, what do you th- Deep draft, man. Yeah, what do you think Hoffman profiles if he comes back healthy? I mean, obviously it's a you know, it's up to whatever it is, ninety two percent success rate, Tommy John with twelve to twelve months, but were you one of the guys that profiled him as an upper level rotation guy? Yeah, I was. I um I you know, I wasn't a front line guy, I'd be hesitant to go front line on just about anybody, but I mean uh, I definitely thought that he was a you know, a guy who could show three pitches that were were Profiled as above average plus, you know, if he can get his command down, uh, you know, that's always the last thing to come back from Tommy John surgery. So it could be a couple of years before we really get to see what Hoffman is. But I think he profiles as a number two starter at the major league level, and that's a guy that in the open market, I mean, first of all, you're not going to get, and then second of all, if you have to pay for him, you know, you're getting the 29 year old version of him, and you're paying, you're paying 12, 15 million dollars a season. Instead of this guy, you take a chance on for you know a very reasonable amount. Man, that's a smart move. It's such it's smart baseball. That the the Jays had a very smart baseball draft this time for real. Lastly, what if 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 he comes back healthy? So he had his surgery a month before the draft. Comes back sort of short season ball. Do you start him short season next year, or is he already in Dunedin slash New Hampshire to start? It's going to depend on how when he starts throwing. I assume he's going to start like his throwing programs later on this year, and then he'll uh, probably be throwing off the mound early next year. I don't want to gauge his timetable because it's, you know, I'm not really sure what he's on, what kind of schedule he's on. Um, I think you start him in extended spring training, and when he proves that he's ready, you know, he's the type of guy that I don't think he's going to need to go to short season ball. I mean, it's probably not going to offer much of a challenge for him, especially if he's healthy. Yet. A healthy Hoffman is probably a guy who's going to go straight to uh, high A or double A and take it from there. You know, this is if he's healthy, it's, he's probably not going to be in the minors for very long. Obviously, there's rust that happens with the Tommy John surgery, especially command, but if he's healthy and the command looks okay, it won't be long, man. Wow. And this triggered one more question. Uh, have you heard anything about Asuna? Because I can't get any information on him. I mean, it... Have, has anybody on the ground for you in Florida seen how he's coming along? No, I haven't. I don't have any reports on um, how his uh, his rehab went. Um, I didn't really follow up on that. I mean, I thought he kind of had red flags with his body beforehand. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a good opportunity for him to either come back in shape or come back even further out of it. Right. You know, I saw him when he was, I saw him when he was 15 years old in a showcase before he signed, and I thought, man. You know, it's, you don't see any 15-year-olds that are, like, you know, carrying 240 pounds or whatever he was. So if he can come back in shape, I think that would be, you know, highly beneficial for him. If not, I think that there could be some struggles there because he's big. 
But uh, when he was here, and this is just, I mean, I'm not a scout, obviously, but he's got a very big trunk. It, it seemed like he, he was able to pivot yeah. off that. But, yeah, but, I mean, he, he definitely has that. And at a young age, I think he'll be able to do it. As he gets older and, you know, loses some of his athleticism and the body gets even heavier and heavier, right. I, that's when I start to worry. It's just about projection. I mean, that's why it's a good opportunity for him to come back in better shape than he was when he went out. Okay. Well, that was that was fantastic, Jason. Thanks very much. No problem, man. Uh, what is, so let us know what are, what have you guys got on next? You got you got the top fifty coming out when? Um, we're going to start. Or the mid season, sorry. It out early, uh, start teasing it out early next week, and then it's going to come out uh, the following week. So the end of this month it'll be out. Can you give us any hints as to how many Jays or Jays prospects will be in there? Or is that not allowed? Uh, let me just. Let me think at the top of my head. Obviously, Stroman's not going to be eligible. Um, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking two. I'm thinking two guys um, just will slide into the top fifty. Sanchez and um, and Norris. And is, if Barreto carries on at this sort of pace, is he? And this this is really the last question. Is Barreto sort of a top hundred next year? If he yeah, is, he is. Yeah, no, he will be if he keeps on at this pace and he shows. You know, developmental progress, then he'll definitely be in the consideration for top in the offseason. Yeah. Great. Jason, thanks very much. Uh, Baseball Prospectus, one of the lead writers. Um, really appreciate your time. And hopefully you can do this. After the 50 comes out, and hopefully Lansing picks it up, and as Vancouver goes along, hopefully we can chat again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And there you go. That was Charlie with Jason Parks for the lead writer of Baseball Prospectus. That was a good interview with him. Yeah, I was, uh, as I said, I, I really enjoyed it. I was a bit kind of awestruck at first because, you know, he's, you know, everything he writes, I, <laughs> I, I, try and, I try and lead, so. You're a fanboy. A, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you know, I try my best and I'm, I'm trying my, my best to get better and better at, at kind of scouting these, these guys with, a non-jaundiced kind of Vancouver Canadians tinted eye. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's what they do for a living, so it's always great to get a more expert opinion. <laughs> All right, well, let's move it along here and get to the next interview, a uh, quick hit, and then get to Shane Dawson, who's a, a lug nuts pitcher. And how did you get in touch with him? We sort of we stayed in contact. He was with the C's last year, and, and we met, um, obviously, um, he came up with Tom Robson, kind of not midway through, maybe a little bit, two thirds of the way through the last season, and threw very well for the Seas mm-hmm. when he was when he was healthy, and then uh, picked up a bit of a shoulder injury. So I kind of, you know, touch base with him every so often through the off season to see how his, his rehab was going, and and then actually managed to have a, a, a pretty long interview with him, kind of right around Christmas time, which I wrote up for my site. Um, and it's been in contact ever since, um, and it's just great to see him. You know, he he stayed behind and extended. It was obviously way too good mm-hmm. to be to be an extended. Um, but you know, whether that was due to the uh, coming off an injury or it's just a bit of a numbers game at Lansing, they did start out with quite a few quite a few arms. Um, you know, I was uh, I was keen selfishly to see him come back to Vancouver, mm. um, but knew that. He was too good to do it, and that he needed to yeah. progress, and, and that's what happened. So, what kind of stuff did you talk to him about this time? 
talk about just what's what's going on in Lansing, what what he's working on. Um, this one's a bit more. We I asked quite a few sort of non baseball questions, like who had the better bus, or who has the better <laughs> bus, Lansing or, or Vancouver. I thought um, you didn't ask those kind of questions. What's the deal, I know, Charlie? I know. I, I, I have to admit, I quite like Shane. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a really nice guy. Um, Leave those interviews to me, okay? That's my job. The, uh, the I'll do the fluff. Pieces. Yeah, but <laughs> it's quite funny because he's he's obviously Canadian from uh, from Alberta, and no, it was still a while. I mean, this interview was done a good ten days ago, so okay. it's a bit it's a bit dated. Um, but it was more closer to um, that wild sort of brawl that took place. So I, mm. I asked him, uh, was he involved in that at all? And unsurprisingly, he was, um, <laughs> as, as we'll hear. Um, hey, you obviously didn't watch the World Baseball Classic last year and saw Team Canada. We're we're all about the brawls up here, apparently. Well, that was that was, that was unbelievable. <laughs> that brawl wasn't. It? Um, but yeah, so he just started the other day um, through four and a third. Pretty good. He's he's. He's been walking a few more this year than um, mm. than he has before, so I'm I'm guessing it's it's kind of you know a situation where same thing you know he his stuff was was too good and, and when I saw him last year in Vancouver he he could fool a lot of hitters he doesn't have premium velocity but mm. he's got excellent secondary pitches and and has kind of not a funky delivery but he hides the ball very well so and he mixes speeds in his, with his fastball really really well so. Hitters have no idea, you know, what's coming next. And I think I even saw a tweet tonight or last night when when Shane was starting from Jesse Gober Strassler, who who we had on the last podcast, that said that Dawson had thrown down the gauntlet with a 58 mile per hour pitch. <laughs> surely, sure, that had to be the slowest thus far in, in minor league baseball. So, how does he and, need uh, to make the plate? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Shane actually mentioned it in this interview or, or if it was the previous time that. He likes to he likes to mess with with hitters and, and see how slow <laughs> slowly he can throw his curveball. So, all right, well let's let's get funny. let's do it now and get to uh, Shane Dawson, the pitcher for the Lansing Lugnuts, and Charlie Kasky had an interview with him right here. So we're joined this week on Your Van Seas Weekly by ex Vancouver Canadian legend Shane Dawson. Shane, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Um, you started last night. Mm-hmm. Um. I've, I've always said this, and people are going to get bored of me of me saying it, but it's tough to uh, to decipher from a box score how things went. How do you how do you feel your start went last night? That's your second, I guess, after you you took a quick break, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was definitely not my best, but uh, I didn't put, execute the game plan very well. But I felt like I did uh, pretty good to minimize the damage um, that I was dealt with. What was that's actually an interesting point. What a, I won't ask you specifically what the game plan, but now that you're in a full season league and and you see these teams a lot more and and players, you know, short season they tend to move here and there. So if you if you're pitching against Boise one time, the next time they could have half a different lineup. But I'm guessing the Midwest League, you know, you're going to see the same guys a lot more. Is there is there sort of more advanced scouting? It, in the full season league up there than, than there was in Vancouver, which enables you to kind of come up with more of a plan? Well, in Vancouver, we kind of had uh, guys do spray charts for the other teams, so that helped out a lot. Up here, it's more about just uh, figuring out uh, what you want to do with certain individuals, how you want to attack lefties in the lineup, how you want to attack righties, 
how you want to attack the, the speedier guys or the power guys. Um, for me, I just attack the speedy guys. If they want to bunt, uh, they got to make it a pretty good bunt. Um, and with the power guys, you know, just away, 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 and then bust them in once they start leaning over the plate. That's what I've been trying to do a lot lately. Try to dominate the other half of the plate. And, I mean, you said it wasn't your best start, and, you know, three innings pitch, five Ks, you know, only one earned run. What, um, what, what, have they sort of decreased your pitch count since you took that time off? I, I noticed the first, your first start back was only just over three innings as well. Um, yesterday, it was just uh, that third inning really, really took a lot of pitches out for me, and they only want guys, if they throw over like, 25 pitches in an inning, they kind of want to shut it down for him. So, all right, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, no, just walks and a couple lengthy at bats, and you know, I didn't uh, didn't help myself too much with the two walks and the hit batter there. So, but um, felt like I contained the damage pretty good. So, yeah, got to take those out of the game. What um, no, I've been asking this question of. You know, Jim Sykowski and, and Jesse, and Jim's a big believer that the Midwest League isn't really that much different than the Northwest League. Um, you've been there now for, what, five or six starts, I guess? And we'll, and we'll talk about your injury after. What What do you feel the difference is? Do you, do you notice, are the hitters just getting, are adapting a bit better, a bit more patient? Or do you, do you really notice anything at all? Well, I have noticed that the umpire strike zones are a little bit tighter, a little bit more big league than they were in the Northwest League. But uh, the hitters just swing at less junk. It's got to be closer to the zone for them to swing, whereas some guys in the Northwest League, the guys will get themselves out on horrible pitches. Whereas in this league, they're a little bit more disciplined. But uh, I feel like our team has been doing decently well to make them hit the ball and get themselves out. And what um, yeah, this is a good point. Always blame the umpires. <laughs> um, what? And as I, I touched briefly on your injury, we talked about it in the off season. Just to remind remind people, it was a it was a shoulder scapular injury, wasn't it? What? Obviously, that's why I'm guessing you were held back and extended for a while. It's fully healthy now. Do you do you feel it's I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but you're back to 100%, or do you still have to sort of manage it from a start-to-start basis? Um, I feel like it's good. I feel like it's uh, game-ready, obviously. Um, I can't particularly say why they held me back and extended. Um, I don't know what's going on in their minds in that particular situation, but uh, I'm just happy to finally be in anything. But uh, with the shoulder, everything's fine. Just got to really make sure to stay on top of my exercises now because that was a real eye-opener for me last year. I thought I was going to have to get surgery because of that last year. So I'm really happy that everything worked out and I'm back and playing in some competitive ball at the level that I can play at. Now, when you mention exercises, have they got you on a specific regime? Um for the shoulder and then are you also still doing the weighted ball or they had to drop the weighted ball and sort of give you your own set of exercises well the weighted ball um, they don't want anybody doing it if they if they're hurt at the time or like rehabbing so we just kind of scrapped that throughout my rehab process in spring training um, so I haven't been doing the weighted ball and with the shoulder exercises it's just been like the regular shoulder exercises that everybody else does it's just 
gotta I gotta make sure I do them, make sure I do the uh, set amount of reps, and make sure I do them properly instead of just kind of going through the motions with the exercises. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now you um you're sort of in your age bracket now. You know you're twenty. Um, a lot of guys, Lansing's quite a young team. They they struggled. I know you weren't there for the entirety of the first half, but they struggled a bit despite you know having a lot of very good young players on the team. What what do you think the issue was for the team, and, and what how do you guys? I mean, this is a bit of a cliche question, but I know the first half ends. I think early next week. How do you see you guys going for the second half of the season? Um, I think we'll turn it around. You know, we have a lot of young guys, a lot of guys working on certain things, and pretty much at these young levels, it's not um, so much about results, even though we all want to win, we all want good batting averages, we all want good ERAs. It's about uh, developing ourselves to become uh, big league players, not uh, low A players. So right. we're all uh, set ourselves up for the big leagues, and, uh, you know, sometimes we're going to go through struggles in that. Um, in that, but uh, it's kind of expected of the younger guys, including myself. I've gone through my struggles at this league. Um, it'll turn around. We'll we'll start figuring things out, and we'll start clicking and start playing as a team. I think that's a big thing. It's just uh, playing as a team, and you know, kind of getting used to each other's playing styles and uh, personalities inside the dugout and outside. So I think it'll turn around. Speaking of personalities, we when we spoke in the off season, um, you mentioned that Jim and you know the C staff kind of let you be you a bit more than than the Bluefield coaches. And sorry, the name of the Bluefield pitching coach eludes me right now. Um, just let you be. You know, you're quite intense on the mound and sort of let you be a bit more keyed up. Whereas Bluefield, they they tried to calm you down a bit more. I, I, is Vince sort of on board with with that, or is he sort of Taking a different approach. What what's he got you working on? And Vince is Canadian, isn't he? So you guys should get along well. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we get along fine. Um, Vince wants me to be my own pitcher. Um, he likes my competitive spirit. He tells me that. Um, there are things where sometimes I I get out of hand. I get a little too competitive, a little too confrontational, and uh, sometimes I gotta I gotta take it back a notch but um, it's nothing that I don't um, disagree with when he says to take it back a notch um, sometimes I get caught up in the moment and he kind of keeps me in check same with uh, John Tamario he helps me a lot too with just kind of not being too aggressive and not being too angry on the mound I guess you could say but uh, no they let me they let me be myself but when I get out of hand they definitely let me know now, would um, a situation of you getting out of hand be when there was the brawl a few weeks ago? <laughs> um, well, that's kind of a different situation. <laughs> I felt like... Uh, were, the, were the gloves dropped, so to speak? Huh? Were the gloves dropped, so to speak, to use a Canadian term? <laughs> uh, I was definitely shaking my hands a little bit. I <laughs> know that I was ready if they were. But... Uh, no, that situation was just, I felt like they did our team an injustice by hitting a guy in the head after uh, after Dantzler hit the home run there. I thought that was very unfair. Yeah. And then for them to uh, to verbally attack Dermody after he got ejected from the game was just, uh, it, it 
really had nothing to do with Dermody. It, uh, it didn't come from Dermody, obviously, yeah. to hit the guy back. But, uh, you know, we got to defend our players, and if they're going to take it upon themselves after Dancer hits a home run and then to talk trash to Germany after after the fact, um, we got to stick up for our teammates, and uh, all 20, 24, 25 of us are ready to go and stick up for our teammates there, so... Well, as I, I mentioned to you, I think we were chatting with, on Twitter at the time, I'm sure it's not going to be your last minor league brawl, and from what you can gather, they can sometimes get out of hand. There's not quite the same amount of umpires and cooler heads to uh, to calm people down. Um, I just wanted quickly uh, to ask you, there's been a lot of sort of shuffling in the upper levels of, of, the, minor, of the Blue Jays system. I'm, I'm sure you heard that Aaron Sanchez was promoted to Buffalo, and there's going to be, we think, a bit of a domino effect um, with maybe some of the guys in Dunedin heading up to New Hampshire. Um, I know you, I mean, obviously you want to move up. Do you Do you think, like, do you read, you know, what's going on? Do you, do you get involved with that or no? You just sort of mind your own business and pay attention to what you have to work on. Well, I, I see, uh, obviously I see your tweets and everybody else's tweets on uh, Twitter there and obviously there's some clubhouse talk, but um, all I can do is just pitch my game and try to put myself in a position where they have to move me up. And if I start worrying about who's moving up or who's doing this, who's doing that, but it, it kind of takes away from my game, I feel like. Um, so I just got to focus on what I have to do. Obviously, obviously your eye uh, catches your eye, seeing those guys get moved, moved up. And it's hard not to get caught up in looking at your stats and looking at their stats, but... Uh, for me, I just got to stay focused on, on pitching good and executing my game plan down here. What I'm sorry, let's go back to, I, I asked you if they'd, if they'd lower your pitch count. You said you just had a rough inning, and I know there's that 25-pitch or 30-pitch rule. What What is your pitch count out now? Like, what, what, do, what do they have you working? Is it pitch count or is it innings? Uh, pitch count. Um, up until this point, I think I've been at 70, 75 pitches a game. Okay. Um. And I don't know for sure, but I think they told me they're going to bump me up after this All Star break here, so we'll see. And when is sorry, refresh my memory. When is the All Star break? Early next week, like Monday, Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Okay. Um. Now switching back to the seas for a second, I thought I saw you uh, tweet the other day that you'd seen the new swag. Have you got a? Um, have you got an inside to get some gear? I tried to get. Uh, Andrew to get me some gear. He hasn't really responded to me yet. Yeah, I think he's kind of just soaking everything up right now. Yeah, I was, well, that was... Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Just tried to get one of them hats. Yeah. yeah one with the Mountie on the front. Yeah, they're pretty uh, pretty cool. That was going to be my next question, actually. You played with Andrew at um, Prairie Baseball Academy. What what can we expect from him? I think he's going to be in a, in a relief role here to start. Um, well, he uh, he was there the year after, uh, the year after I was. Oh, so. sorry. Okay, so you didn't you didn't play with him? No, but I did practice with him a lot. Um, I didn't really get to see Andrew pitch that much, but uh, he's a great dude, great clubhouse guy, great team guy, and uh, from what I saw him extended, he should be just fine in uh, in Vancouver. Probably uh, with his talent, his skills, I could probably play up at higher levels. Okay. And um, Tim LaCastro is here in Vancouver as well, a guy that you mentioned in the offseason to, uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, who else Who else on the Vancouver roster, you know, that you 
you saw an extended we should we should maybe um, keep an eye on early in the season? Well, besides the obvious names like uh, Barreto. Besides Barreto, yeah. We're all talking about yeah. him after his 4-for-4 four four performance last night plus a walk. Yeah, um, I think Jonathan Davis is another guy. He's kind of a, a scrappy guy working with the switch hitting and just a, a dependable guy in the outfield and in the batting lineup every night. Now, I was I was getting reports that he's quite speedy as well. Is he is he a base stealer or is it just sort of in the outfield that he's quite quick? Uh, he can he can steal a couple bases. He's not going to be a huge threat, I don't think. But like he's gonna he's he's gonna catch the attention of some pitchers and he'll steal some bases and get some extra bases, turning like singles into doubles or going from first to third, first to home, things like that. He's just a ball player. He's a really good ball player and really good teammate well he he got off to a great start last night as well with a couple of triples and a double so yeah. just a shame that they're starting away from home we have to wait a bit to see him <laughs> yeah um well that's great shane i'll let you go I, I thought i heard some balls in the background so it might be bp um where are you where are you guys tonight i should know that but let me know anyways we're at the loon we're in um what is it called midland michigan midland michigan what <laughs> Uh, and I'll let you. Go, we'll let you go. But what what are the bus trips like in the Midwest League as as opposed to uh, the Northwest League? Uh, they're they're easy. Really? You take the longest one. Longest one's eight hours here, and that's that's nothing. That's two naps and a, and a stop at a gas station. <laughs> and what was the, the longest one here? Was Boise like thirteen or fourteen? Wasn't it? Yeah, even that's not that bad. In the in college, the previous baseball we went to Vegas. And that was a 24-hour trip, so Jesus. I'm pretty much used to those long ones. Who's got the nicer bus, Lansing or Vancouver? Uh, it's a, it's a toss-up. Um, Vancouver, they take two separate buses, so that was really nice. You get to have your own aisle to yourself. But uh, but here they got TV with MLB going all day, and uh, they got some Wi-Fi on the bus, so that's really good for for the Canadian kid trying to text his family back home. Ah, that is quite nice. <laughs> but just the one bus, so you're all crammed in. Yeah, yeah. I well, hope you like who you're sitting with then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll, I'll, but I'll let you go. Good luck in your next start, um, and, and definitely keep in touch. We uh, we love hearing from you. As usual. Right, sounds good, thank you. You have a great take on the game, and... Uh, I'll send you the link to the last po- podcast. Jesse was effusive in his praise of you. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, sir. All right, mate, have a good one. There you go. That's Shane Dawson of the Lansing Lugnuts and Charlie Kasky of Your Vancey's weekly podcast. Another great interview for you guys, and uh, we'll try to bring you more mix of players and coaches throughout the year, as we promised. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll start to wrap things up for this show because we're we're dragging on a little bit as usual. It seems to be a problem of ours. We uh, we just love to talk baseball way too much. I think Charlie. <laughs> well, if we do manage to get one done Sunday, it'll be a lot shorter because <laughs> I've got no interviews lined up. Oh well, I'll have to figure something out then. I'll, <laughs> I'll have, make something you'll happen. <laughs> you'll have to call uh, what's his name back. Hanson Monica. Yeah, we can't even get him back on. <laughs> Get his thoughts on the, the season so far. All right, yeah. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Well, uh, thanks for coming on as usual and, and bringing those interviews for us. Um, I'm glad you did that, and especially the Jason Parks one. That was very good. Uh, and we look yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was fun, as I said. Yeah. It, was, it was fun to do the interview, and, and it's fun 
you know, that, uh, like I said during the interview, that the, the upper level, kind of the upper tiers of Jay's prospects, you know, are, are doing really well mm-hmm. so far this year. You know, he had Stroman as his number one over Sanchez, and, you know, as he said in the interview, he sees, you know, Sanchez might be more as a bullpen arm down the road, but aside from that, you know, Stroman's pitching well to make the league. Sanchez is 21 mm-hmm. pitching in AAA. Norris is lighting up AA. Pompey is playing well. Some of the, some of the kids in the lower levels have, have struggled a bit, but I think all in all for the J system, it's, it's been a pretty good season thus far. So, you know, hopefully now with Bluefield and, and the Gulf Coast League starting the season, we've yep. got plenty more to talk about. Mediocre start for the Canadians on the score sheet and the records. Um, but uh, I think for the prospects all around the Blue Jays organization, it's been a, been a pretty good month. We'll we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> all around, I think it's been pretty good, uh, especially the emergence of Daniel Norris. So look forward to talking about that and more coming up in the next few weeks. We'll try to get you a podcast sooner than next Wednesday. We'll see how it goes. We'll keep you posted on Twitter. Uh, again, he's Charlie Kasky at Charlie Kasky, C-A-S-K-E-Y, and I'm at Greg Ballack. Greg, G-R-E-G, B-A-L-L-O-C-H-S-T. If you want to get in touch with us or yourvansees at gmail.com. And I think we're up on iTunes now. So if you are listening on iTunes, feel free to to send us an email if you have a question about uh, the Vancouver Canadians or anything about the the, uh, Toronto Blue Jays minor league organization. So uh, thanks again, Charlie. No worries. Well, let's try and catch up this weekend yeah look forward to talking to you guys soon so thanks for listening everybody to the your van seas weekly podcast